first of all, I want to say that I do not dislike Elizabeth Warren. I think her she has some great policies. She does have a lot of good plans. She is fantastic when it comes to big business. She really knows her stuff. She's a fantastically, amazingly smart woman. But, and this is not status quo saying this, this is me saying this, I support Bernie. I don't support Elizabeth Warren. And it comes down to the policies. So even though people say, you know, Elizabeth Warren has a plan for that, she's the policy gal, I support Bernie because of his policies. He has been consistent for decades. His plans, in my opinion, are much more thorough. They go much further. They don't take that middle ground where where Biden likes to live, but where Elizabeth Warren finds herself often as well. Um, Bernie's plans are bold and what we need right now, particularly because the earth is dying and we won't have a planet left for our kids, uh, our grandkids, generations to come. We're not even talking about generations to come at this point. We're talking about 12 years. Uh, the, you know, what's happening right now with the Amazon rainforest is devastating. My, my 12 year old, uh, son actually came up and he said, Hey mom, you know what you should, um, let me look at the, the text message here. He's like, you know what you should cover today? You should mention that the Amazon is on fire. He's like, the media is not covering this. So I, that was kind of a proud mom moment because, well, he's following the news a lot better, <laughs> you know, following those things that are undercovered. He has concern for the environment. But the fact is that the Amazon is on fire. Devastating fires are happening everywhere. Devastating floods are happening everywhere. The climate is in crisis. This is like five alarms. Everybody do everything we can right now because this is a huge, huge crisis. This is a catastrophe. And and people like Joe Biden are putting out these little plans that will that look okay. Like, oh, look, Joe Biden cares about the environment. How nice. And that's enough for some voters. It's not enough for me. It, it needs to go much, much further. And in my opinion, Elizabeth Warren's plan needs to go much, much further. You'll actually see when we go deeper into Bernie's plan that his plan is going to cost quite a bit, but that makes me happy. His plan, I believe it was $16.3 trillion, whereas the next highest plan was Jay Inslee's at $9 million. And then Beto has one around five excuse me, not million. If I, I believe I misspoke there. I meant to say trillion. So Bernie's is at 16.3 trillion. Inslee's was because I say was because he dropped out just last night. His was at 9 trillion. Beto's at 5 trillion. And then we have Elizabeth Warren, I believe, and we'll, we'll fact check this as we go through. I believe hers was at 2 trillion and then on down with Joe Biden and friends. So Bernie's plan is bold and we need bold action right now. And as I mentioned, that is, I am personally saying that because of his bold action, because of his bold policies, that's why I, as an individual, not as a journalist, support Bernie. But that it doesn't mean we can't look at the facts. It doesn't mean I can't be objective and say, yeah, Elizabeth Warren has good ideas. She is a lot bolder than other candidates. She is progressive. Um, we get a lot of crap for this, and Jordan has said this too, but if, if Elizabeth Warren is the nominee, I will vote for her against Donald Trump. In my opinion, that's not even a, a question. It's not even a question. I will absolutely vote for Elizabeth Warren if she's the, the nominee. 
But this narrative in the media that Elizabeth Warren is the only one with a plan for that, that she's the, you know, the, the it girl of the summer of policy is just not true. Bernie has been coming out with plan after plan after plan. His plans are thorough. His plans go further. And as I said, it's that bold, bold, bold action that I believe we need right now. So Elizabeth Warren is really, really marketing herself on this. Elizabeth Warren has a plan for that. You can see here this picture. This is in GQ, uh, their online version of their magazine, I guess. Uh, she's standing in front of Elizabeth, or Warren has a plan for that, signs. Uh, GQ is branding this, the summer of Warren. They're talking about how well things have gone for her, how long her selfie lines are, how many people are, are turning up to uh, see Elizabeth Warren speak, and how she's largely doing that because she has these these plans and these visions, and that has to do with her marketing, and the, the media is eating that right up. So as you guys might know, I'm not originally a journalist. Journalism is something that I've been very passionate about for a very long time. It's sort of my childhood dream sort of come true to be doing this now, but by trade, I am a copywriter and marketer. And so I have a lot of, and my, my degree is actually in psychology. So I have a lot of background in the psychology of marketing and how people and brands and companies present themselves in certain ways um, so that the, the market responds. So here we have Elizabeth Warren branding herself with all these signs. These Elizabeth Warren has a, a plan for that signs and driving that home. And the media has picked this up really, really strongly. They they don't even present it as, you know, oh, Elizabeth Warren brands herself as this candidate who has a plan for everything. They say Elizabeth Warren has a plan for that. She's, she's their girl. They really, really, and Jordan has covered this a lot, so I won't go super in depth into it, but they've really pushed Warren as um, exactly what, what she wants to be pushed at. They've pushed Warren to the top of their coverage in at the cost or at the expense of Bernie. So even though Bernie's coming out with all these policy proposals and things like that, they only focus on the fact that Elizabeth Warren has, has these plans. It doesn't matter that Bernie's coming out with plans. There's a media silence about Bernie. And when they aren't silent about Bernie and about his policies, because it is all about the policies, they are bashing him. And there's no other way to describe it, really. They really, really, really like to bash Bernie Sanders in the media. They like to talk about how terrible he's doing. When they talk about top candidates, they're happy to talk about Biden. They're happy to talk about Warren. Somehow that number two spot in there, Bernie Sanders, doesn't get mentioned. He doesn't get the headlines. It just, it just so happens that they talk about Biden and Warren instead or whoever else Mayor Pete or whoever else is is the shining candidate for them at the moment. And right now that's that's Biden and Warren. Warren who has a plan for that, except the reality is it's Bernie who has a plan for that. And that's not to diminish the fact that some of uh, Warren's plans are quite good. Just they don't go far enough. They are not bold enough. And oftentimes, I hate to say it, 
Oftentimes they look a little bit too much like Bernie's plants, kind of like someone's borrowing <laughs> from some policy and some progressive um, policy ideas here because she sees what's working. She's been very good at marketing herself. Uh, honestly, I, I definitely think people can change. I absolutely think people can change their politics because I personally have. It was Bernie who really woke me up and uh, turned me into a progressive, turned me into a democratic socialist personally. Again, I'm not speaking for the channel, although we are progressive independent news. Um, I, you know, I, I was probably like middle of the road Democrat before, like I liked Obama and stuff, but it was Bernie who woke me up to policy and just how important this stuff is. So it wasn't that long ago though, that Warren was a Republican. She said she's a capitalist to her bones. She said she will take corporate cash in the general. So she has these plans. She's a progressive, she has good progressive policies now, but there's a reason that, yeah, some billionaires, I, I believe it was two billionaires, um, I will need to fact check that, who donated to Warren's campaign so far. Uh, no, no billionaires have donated to Bernie. They, they wouldn't because it's Bernie and his policies are there and the length of his record is there. So I don't want to sound like like, yay, rah, rah, Bernie. It's not my role to be an activist for Bernie or to just praise Bernie. But it has to be said, when it comes to the policies, it is just not true that it is only Warren who has a plan for that. Bernie has a plan for that. So um, let's look at a couple of Bernie's plans here. So Bernie, in the last five days or so, has come out with three new uh, plans. And, and Jordan has already covered this. So he has a new plan. To, so I won't go too in depth um, on this, but Bernie has come out with a new plan to bust Amazon's union busting. And he has a uh, criminal justice plan aimed to cut the prison population. And then today, as we will go pretty in depth into, he has a new climate plan, a new Green New Deal climate crisis plan. But just to kind of hone in on the idea that Bernie has been at this forever. He has had these ideals and these progressive policies forever. He's had these plans that he has, um, you know, talked to, he's really revamped them and made them much more thorough. But the, the basics for his plans have been in place for decades. And here is one, uh, clip that People for Bernie shared. Um, here's Bernie Sanders showing how you talk to middle school students about climate change in 1987. Oh, like hardly any warm the polar ice caps could not like climate Precisely. The point being that if you don't think that raising temperature a few degrees is an enormous consequence, <coughs> you're very wrong. Because it has it doesn't mean just that oh boy, we're swimming a few more days. It means that the type of, of rays that come down from the sun will make us vulnerable to disease. It will have an impact on the polar caps in melting them. And it gets back to the, the point that she made, which is that everything relates to everything else. 
Okay, when that loudspeaker interrupted us, it relates to us. It relates to the conversation that we have. Everything relates so that's to everything else. Bernie Sanders okay, in 1987 speaking to middle school students about climate change. But that's that's Bernie being Bernie, talking about climate change way back when. He isn't someone who just recently hopped on the climate change bandwagon. He isn't someone who just recently discovered that there's a crisis. He's been ringing these alarm bells for a long time. And focusing on the policy, the policy that he released today on climate change is the most comprehensive that we have. The media just can't report it any other way because it is simply the truth. There's one video that I want to play for you before we move on from Elizabeth Warren and before we talk about the details of Bernie's climate change plan. And this is a clip from, I can't remember, I can't, I think it was Cuomo. Sorry about that. I think it was Cuomo and it's uh, their, their forecaster, Harry Enten, who is going through the numbers of candidates who are running and whether or not their support is very strongly for them or if they're kind of wavering, if they are able to get excited about other candidates. And in Elizabeth Warren's case, people are able to get excited about other candidates, as you'll see. And then we'll, after we look at this clip, we'll talk about what that means. And then he started to look into it about what it means so we can understand what is the reality of what we see with Kamala Harris. Why did it happen? What does it mean? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the first things we should look at is African-American voters because these are, they make up 20% of the electorate. They are a huge part of the Democratic primary process. No Democratic candidate has won the nomination since at least 1992 without winning the majority of African-Americans. And take a look at this trend line among them. So this is in the Quinnipiac University mm -hmm. polls. Look at this. So Joe Biden has been leading with them the entire time. But what happened in the June slash July numbers that occurred right after the debate? Kamala Harris jumped all the way up from 8% to 27%. Joe Biden fell from 44% to 31%, a near even matchup. And that mirrored what was a near even matchup in the polls just after that first debate. So I don't get it. So if she goes into the debate, she gives him that pop in the nose. He wasn't ready for it. He doesn't handle it. She's got the t-shirts ready to sell on the success. Where to go? Uh, well, it went in a number of different ways. And I think one of the things that we should point out here, and this is very, very important. And this just is a question that Pew Research asked, which is, are you excited about the other candidates? And asked us of different candidate supporters. And what do we see here? This is very important. 78% of Kamala Harris supporters say that they are excited about the other candidates, which means they're much... Sorry about that. There's a bit at the beginning that was less relevant, but you saw from the video that it said 80% of Elizabeth Warren supporters uh, can get excited about other candidates, whereas Bernie's was only at 47%. So there is room for Elizabeth Warren supporters to move over to Bernie. It is an interesting thing to note because Elizabeth Warren's support isn't as, as firm on her. And I think that's an important point it's an important point that the same holds true for Joe Biden, but the same does not hold true for Bernie Sanders. And that might be because people see that Bernie has been consistent and that Bernie does have these policies that go far further than anyone else's policies. And voters are seeing just how important this is, climate change, uh, workers' rights, Everything that Bernie focuses on, these progressive policies, are important to each and every one of us, no matter if we're Democrats or not. And the, the, 
statistics show that uh, the polls show that people across the board support policies like what Bernie proposes. So Bernie's plans for climate change, and we're definitely not going to go through the entirety of Bernie's plan word for word, because let me show you here. The policy on Bernie's website is almost 14,000 words long. So it would take quite a while for us to go through all of this, but that's what I'm talking about. Like, look, I'll just scroll down so you can see. Look how long this is. I'm about halfway through and I feel like I've been scrolling forever. This is the most comprehensive policy out there on climate change. It goes much further than anyone else, much, much further. So I show you the length of that and the extensiveness of that to drive the point home that Elizabeth Warren isn't the only policy candidate. Bernie has these policies. That's his branding is different than Elizabeth Warren's and that's totally normal in a campaign, but it is fascinating to me that the media has grabbed hold of this branding of Elizabeth Warren's so firmly, even though the facts show that it's Mr. Bernie Sanders who has a plan for that and has the policies for that. The Huffington Post has actually done a, a fairly thorough write-up of what this means, of what this plan that Bernie Sanders has unveiled means. So we'll go through this. Bernie Sanders unveils $16 trillion Green New Deal to combat climate crisis. This is by Alexander C. Kaufman, again in HuffPo. The 2020 Democratic candidate's climate plan offers a detailed vision that would expand public ownership of utilities and make electricity virtually free by 2035. Democratic presidential hopeful Bernie Sanders released a sweeping $16.3 trillion climate plan on Thursday, vowing to create 20 million jobs and completely zero out planet heating emissions by 2050. The proposal outlines easily the most ambitious vision for a Green New Deal to date, with calls to massively expand public ownership of everything from power generation to groceries. With Washington Governor Jay Inslee ending his climate-centered bid for the Democratic nomination a day earlier, the plan vaults the Vermont Senator ahead of his 2020 rivals on what's emerging as the defining policy issue of the Democratic primary. So I have to give the HuffPo some some props here because they are saying, yes, this one goes much further. It is the most detailed. So props to them for not pretending that it's not because that's just the facts. At a moment when record wildfires are, wildfires are raging from the Amazon to the Arctic and Greenland is losing up to 12.5 billion tons of ice in a single day. And again, check out Jordan's reporting from yesterday about the Amazon. The plan is dense with detail and frank in its goals where other proposals, including those from Inslee and Senator Elizabeth Warren, depict expanded regulatory regimes and public spending aimed at spurring private investment, Sanders charts out a path to a hospitable global climate through Nordic-style democracy. So they are uh, mentioning that Elizabeth Warren has an expansive plan, but that Bernie's, again, goes, goes to another level here. 
The scope of the challenge ahead of us shares some similarities with the crisis faced by President Franklin Delano Roosevelt in the 1940s. And it has to be said, like, Bernie is invoking FDR in his, you know, talking about branding because some of our best left policies were FDR policies. He's kind of branding himself, like latching on to FDR a bit. I noticed that when I went to his event in D.C. where he was talking about Medicare for all, his speech writers and um, policy people are latching onto that FDR title, which I think is pretty interesting to note. That uh, goes on to say, as president, Bernie Sanders will boldly embrace the moral imperative of addressing the climate crisis. The plan opens with Sanders vowing to slash U.S. emissions 71% below 2017 levels by 2030 with 100% renewable electricity and zero emissions vehicles. He declares war on the fossil fuel industry with proposed bans on fracking, drilling on public lands, and all imports and exports of oil and gas, and threatens companies with civil and criminal charges for pollution and obstructing climate action. He pledges $200 billion to help developing countries reduce their own climate pollution by 36% in the next decade. Citing the nuclear disasters in Chernobyl and Fukushima, Sanders, long a critic of nuclear power, swears off new reactors and promises a moratorium on future licenses to existing plants. His plan rules out geoengineering the climate or deploying technologies to capture carbon dioxide from fossil fuel plants, which he derided as false solutions. Generous pledges for workers animate Sanders' proposal. The plan, which comes at the same week the campaign released its proposal to boost unions, promises five years of unemployment insurance, a wage guarantee, housing assistance, job training, pension support, and priority job placement for all its workers displaced by the transition. So we're getting a lot of talk here, not only about the climate and about the, the huge, huge crisis, but they are also talking about the people and how everyday people are affected by climate change, but also the fact that this country needs jobs. And yes, when we talk about climate change, we are talking about eliminating a lot of jobs that Americans have come to depend on. And so there's a lot of fear out there. So the Sanders campaign, I believe, is going to focus on the fact that this plan creates a lot of jobs. It moves us into the future. It doesn't devastate the economy because of the new jobs it creates and the fact that it, it is a shift in the types of jobs people will have. So they aren't, you know, the media is going to try to scare people by saying, oh, they're going to get rid of all the jobs and people are really going to have a hard time earning an income. They're, they're getting rid of entire industries. But the Sanders campaign is, is pointing out rightly that new jobs will be created and we are simply moving into the future in order to save our planet. So they're focusing both on the planet, uh, the, the crises going on all across our planet, but along with the people. And I think that's a very smart tech. It's not just a technique. It's the truth and it's their honest policy. But marketing wise, you know, talking about marketing these things, they have to focus on people because people are worried about themselves. They're worried about their lives. They're worried about their jobs, their family. So they are focusing on that in this policy specifically, which I think is a very smart move. What stands out first is Sanders' clear answer to the perennial question of how to pay for it. There's the money saved, $1.215 trillion from scaling back military spending on protecting global oil, and $1.31 trillion from federal and state welfare due to the creation of millions of good-paying unionized jobs. 
Then they talk about the money earned. I won't go through all of all of that money. We'll link to the article. Those pushing a Green New Deal, including Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the grassroots group Sunrise Movement, have shied away from talking numbers. Even as Republicans, and this is to be expected and it will continue happening, especially if there is a President Sanders, uh, the Republicans will mount an all-out war against this plan. Republicans fabricated a bogus $93 trillion price tag. Instead, advocates have pointed to the cost of sticking to business as usual. This plan will pay for itself over 15 years, the policy memo reads. Experts have scored the plan and its economic effects. Uh, let's see. We, we don't need to read this whole thing. Where Sanders' plan diverges most from those of Warren, Inslee, and others is in its explicit calls for scaling the public sector in ways unseen since the 1940s. Power marketing administrations seldom discuss agencies under the energy department that operate transmission lines and sell electricity generated at federally owned hydro dams are central to the plan. The federal government built four such regional administrations between 1937 and 1977. Sanders calls for building a fifth to cover the states and territories currently outside the other four's jurisdiction. He earmarks $1.52 trillion to convert the entire operations to wind, solar, and geothermal, and an additional $852 billion to build energy storage capacity. The plan even offers $14.7 billion in federal investments in cooperatively owned grocery stores. Local groceries and co-ops are more likely to buy local products, which will help grow markets for farmers to sell their goods, the plan reads. We will also use these funds to bring grocery stores to food deserts, ensuring all people have access to healthy local food. So once again, not only is Bernie addressing the terrible climate crisis, he's also addressing food deserts. And the fact his policy is so in-depth that it addresses every single facet of the climate crisis, but how climate is intertwined with literally everything in our daily lives. So from food deserts to people's jobs, this plan goes in-depth into how everything will be affected, how everything will change for the better, according to the plan. Moving on down here. It's easy to imagine the political right smearing the proposal as a Soviet-style takeover by an avowed democratic socialist. In reality, the plan leans more toward the first half of Sanders' self-professed ideological bent rather than the later. The latter, excuse me. The proposal redirects subsidies and incentives heaped on big businesses to small ones and invests $31 billion in local food plants, including slaughterhouses and dairy processors. The plan provides nearly $3 trillion in grants to lower-income families and small businesses to trade in combustion engine vehicles for all-electric alternatives. It offers tax credits to businesses that hire workers transitioning out of fossil fuel jobs. Nearly $2.2 trillion is budgeted for grants to homeowners and small businesses to weatherize buildings. And again, we don't need to get into all the dollars and cents. Uh, I can drop the link. We need a president who has the courage, vision, and the record to face down the greed of fossil fuel executives and the billionaire class who stand in the way of climate action, the memo reads. We need a president who welcomes their hatred. Bernie will lead our country to enact the Green New Deal and bring the world together to defeat the existential threat of climate change. And 
I want to drive home again that that very, very quick summary that we just did based on the HuffPo is, doesn't even come close to touching everything that this plan covers. Transform our energy system to 100% renewable energy and create 20 million jobs. And what I'm reading right now is right on Bernie's website under his the Green New Deal. He named it the Green New Deal. Um, scrolling down. As I said, it takes a while to, to scroll here. Because it is... And the greed of the fossil fuel industry and hold them accountable. Rebuild our economy and ensure justice for frontline communities and a just transition for workers. Yeah, there's a lot here. I definitely urge you to read it. I'm going to reread it even more in depth. Um, I think I just I think it's important that the media, in particular, doesn't gloss over the fact that. Bernie Sanders has these very extensive, very thorough plans in favor of the marketing from a candidate that says she has these very, very thorough and in-depth plans. Elizabeth Warren absolutely has a lot of plans. She is good on, well, saying she's good on policy, I mean she's thorough in policy. I don't, you know, whether you think she's good on policy is definitely a, a personal decision. But Bernie Sanders goes further and the media glosses over that. The media glosses over Bernie in general in favor of talking about Biden and Warren. So the truth is Bernie is coming out with plans left and right. They are updated versions. They are based on science and research and, and the latest information that he has, but he has also been consistent, as you saw in that clip from 1987 when Bernie was talking cli climate change with middle schoolers. And that, I don't remember exactly when she changed over, but that might have been back when Elizabeth Warren was a Republican. I'm not sure. So whether you like Elizabeth Warren or not, um, the fact is that Bernie, Bernie has these policies. Bernie uh, deserves his policies to be talked about just as much as other candidates' policies are talked about. I wanted to quickly mention that CNN is actually going to be hosting a climate town hall. So 10 Democratic presidential candidates will participate in the CNN climate town hall. That is going to be September 4th, and it's going to be talking about the climate crisis. So it will be interesting. Um, a CNN poll conducted in late April showed that 96% of Democrats favored taking aggressive action to slow the effects of climate change. So if we're talking about aggressive action from what we just saw from Bernie, that's really what people want. So that will be interesting for sure. Um, we will be covering that, not in person, but from afar. Okay, so this next story, as it takes forever to load, is going to give you flashbacks to 2016, where Bernie Sanders supporters are were locked out of everything, like Hillary Clinton people, um, not talking about their other supporters, but talking about the DNC themselves, and just the establishment in general did everything they could to block Bernie and Bernie supporters out of everything. So this story is going to give you flashbacks to that. Starting today, there, there's a DNC summer meeting. So this is uh, an article out of NBC Bay Area, NBC affiliate, Bay City News. 
presidential candidates to appear at DNC summer meeting. More than a dozen U.S. Democratic presidential candidates will be in San Francisco starting on Thursday, that's today, for a three-day Democratic National Convention summer meeting. Democratic presidential candidates for 2020, the 2020 election set to speak include Michael Bennett, Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, uh, Amy Klobuchar, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Seth Moulton, Tim Ryan, Julian uh, Castro, Marianne Williamson, Andrew Yang, Tom Steyer, and Joe Sestak. Um, yeah, that's really, oh, by the way, I was going to say that's all we need to know from this article, but it is important to note Joe Biden is not scheduled to appear at the meeting. So we wouldn't really expect um, Joe Biden to, to have to show up anywhere to actually campaign. Joe Biden, and we are actually, Jordan and I are keeping track of Joe Biden's campaign schedule because we get, we get the press emails and there are a heck of a lot of times where it will say, Joe Biden meeting with his advisors. Instead of like actually doing some campaigning, his schedule is to just meet with his advisors. Whereas like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are hosting all these rallies and doing all these things and, you know, like having campaign socials and rally. Like Elizabeth Warren had some huge rallies lately, a lot of people showing up for her. Bernie Sanders has been having uh, rallies and like ice cream socials and he just had like a baseball game. <laughs> I don't know what that was about, but it was cute. Um, but Joe Biden, no, he, he can't come to things, apparently. So what happened at this DNC summer meeting? Hopefully Twitter doesn't freeze up my computer again. So uh, Sarah Stinson on Twitter reported, DNC summer meeting ran out of credentials for guests and people were outraged. They are here from all over the country to fight for a climate change debate. Look at about 100 people storming the meeting anyways, pushing through. So just like we saw in 2016, the DNC doesn't want Bernie supporters at its meetings. The DNC doesn't want Bernie supporters or climate change people. Like, they don't want these rabble rousers at their meetings. They don't want actual change. They just want to have their little establishment meetings, not, not ruffle any feathers. They want to keep the people who care about progressivism and care about other people and care about policy, they don't want them in. So this video is pretty interesting where they are literally trying to get the, keep these people out, but they are funneling through anyway. think that's pretty pretty badass to be honest pretty awesome you could see that that guy I assume he's some DNC establishment guy trying to keep those people out they're flooding in any way they have their climate change signs they are not taking any guff they are getting their voice they're making sure their voices are heard so I think that's pretty badass and that's what has to be done if people want real change in this country 
then we need protest. We need people to ignore the rules and demand changes. And as we can see from 2016, we weren't having these climate change debates in town halls. We weren't talking about Medicare for all on the scale we are now. It was only Bernie Sanders and his rabble rouser supporters who were pushing these things. And now, in order to be a Democratic candidate, like you basically need to have Medicare for all. Well, aside from Joe Biden, who apparently can get away with anything, like Bernie Sanders set the gold standard for, for everything. Bernie Sanders supporters in 2016 changed the game. And now we have these very active groups like Sunshine Movement and others that are protesting. They're demanding change. And that's one more example of that. I will quickly show you that like the DNC said, oh, we don't have any room. Like we're just out of room. So you guys can't come in. And as you saw, they came in anyway. That's not even true. They had plenty of room in there. Plenty of room. Yeah, here's the picture. The room is gigantic. It says capacity to fit over 2,000 people, and uh, yeah, they only had 208 chairs. So room was not a true concern for, uh, for the DNC there. They just didn't want the voices of the people. They didn't want climate change activists to be heard. They didn't want them to be present. That's what it comes down to. Jeffrey Epstein, you've been following the news. He is dead. He... Um, allegedly committed suicide. They ruled it as a suicide. A lot of people are suspicious about that. So the latest update is correctional officers have been subpoenaed in the Jeffrey Epstein death investigation. And this is by Mark Morales uh, in CNN. As many as 20 correctional officers who work at the federal detention center where Jeffrey Epstein died by suicide received grand jury subpoenas last week relating to an investigation into his death, according to a source with knowledge of the situation. Investigators are trying to recreate what happened on the night Epstein died nearly two weeks ago at the Metropolitan Correctional Center in New York. Um, they give you kind of an update or a, a background history on Epstein. Investigators want to talk to the lieutenants who were in charge that night to get details on rounds that were not made. Two prison staff members guarding Epstein's unit failed to check on him that night for about three hours. Epstein, like other detainees in the center's special housing unit, was supposed to be checked on every 30 minutes. More subpoenas could be in the works as inve the investigation widens. And, of course, a spokeswoman for the Justice Department declined to comment on Thursday. Both the FBI and the Justice Department's Inspector General are investigating the circumstances around Epstein's death. My very quick thoughts on this, because we are out of time, is that they're going to do a lot of investigations and we will probably never know what happened. I, you know, I don't want to hop on the conspiracy train. We don't report things that aren't fact, but it is true that the day before Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide, um, before Jeffrey Epstein's apparent suicide, a trove of documents was released. Virginia Roberts Jufri's uh, part of her deposition was released. And there was a lot of damning information in there about some very powerful people. And then Jeffrey Epstein's dead the next day. And, you know, there's been the search for Ghislaine Maxwell. She was found in Massachusetts, I believe, in like an In-N-Out burger. Uh, I don't really know much more than that. But 
Ghislaine was kind of his right-hand lady, and she's the only one now who knows a lot about what happened before Jeffrey Epstein's death when he was running this alleged um, child sex pedophile ring, this sex trafficking ring. Um, so right now we just have a lot of unanswered questions. We have these investigations going on that I don't have much hope we'll ever find anything out. I think our hope right now lies with Ghislaine Maxwell and anything that she might be able to tell us because Jeffrey Epstein is dead. He died under suspicious circumstances, in my opinion. And I think like in anyone's opinion with a brain <laughs> and we just, we just don't know. There are a lot of failures at, at all levels of all levels here. So we will keep you up to date on Jeffrey Epstein and everything related to his case and Ghislaine Maxwell and what's going on. The hope is that this case, you know, while that case died with Jeffrey Epstein, there are other cases ongoing. There could be other cases opened up. More information could come out. So we will stay on top of it. 